What's up, everybody? This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Men. As you know, you know I, I read comics. I love comics, but I also love comic book podcasts. Comic Relief Podcast, everybody. Live it, love it, listen to it, and listen to it again. And don't forget to subscribe and rate on iTunes. I love them. Hey, listener. Welcome to the Comic Relief Podcast. Hope you survive the experience. The Comic Relief Podcast is an unscripted discussion about the pop culture surrounding comic books with your host, Uncanny Thomas Logue. Alright, so this is Tom Logue. I'm at the San Diego Comic Con. I am standing with... Ming Chen. How are you, everybody? What's up? How has it been for you here at the Comic-Con? It's, it's been crazy. So I think a lot of people assume that I've probably been coming here for 20 years or so. Not right. true. Um, first came here in 2003. Um, Kevin used to have a booth here. We used to sell merchandise from the store and have a booth like everybody yeah, yeah. else That's down you, there. Right? And, um, and they had to drive it all out. So Brian Johnson, right. Brian Quinn from Practical Jokers, Brian Johnson's then-girlfriend, and Walt Flanagan all piled into a minivan, drove a week out to San Diego... <laughs> Stayed here for another week and then another week back. So this is a three-week trip for San Diego. But me, I'm not. I, I'm not driving with you guys. I flew out <laughs> to flew. San Diego. Of course you did. Came back and, and it was great. But um, then I had this very long layoff from San Diego just for various reasons: right. time, money, whatever. And I didn't come back until last year. So it was a 15-year gap. So and I came back last year. I was like, whoa. This has changed a changed little bit. Changed a little bit. A little bit. Changed it's a little bit. It's gotten a little bit bigger since uh, 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it was great, though. So I had fun last year. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going to come back. So Awesome. Yeah, I hope to be here every year. Okay. Do you know if it's always the same location, like up here upstairs? or? Uh, usually, okay. um, I, I mean, I just sent a random email. There's a woman who runs. There's a So San Diego gets a big exhibit floor right. where everyone goes and nuts over exclusives and everything. <laughs> and then, what? And then upstairs, there's a whole autograph area. Right. And uh, yeah, that's I try to do both, actually. Like, why not awesome. Cover everything. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, in this year since it's been 15 years. Yes. Have you met up with anyone that you're trying to meet with? Have you gotten? I have. Well, it's just signatures? you know you come here. This is the one everyone comes to, right? right? So I made a big long list of all my friends who I had to visit. <laughs> Some of them have booths, so right. I, you know, I had to write down their booth number. Track them but down. I don't know. Like, have you run? Did you ever run from one end to the other? It's you, so big. There's no running. There's yeah, no running. Well, <laughs> there are signs posted no running. Like, come on. No, come I mean on. literally. I know. You cannot run. Well, there's too many so people. Many yeah. People. Yeah. Um, so I've just been trying to visit all my friends. Awesome. Um, hitting all the parties. You know, whatever after hours events are big, or very big, big in San Diego. Yes. So yeah, it's just been, it's just been nuts. Uh, if you go down the street about five blocks, there's a there's a fake quick stop and RST video from Clerks. Oh really? Yeah, check that out. Yeah. What? It's on okay. 701 Fifth Avenue. 701 Fifth yeah, Avenue. Or, yeah, yeah. It's so great. Okay. They cool. actually took the set from Jane Sama Reboot. Moved it over here and built it back up again. So speaking of Dan Sign Bob Reboot, yes. I assume you've watched the trailer, your good friend Kevin Smith. Yes, yes. Being a part of it. Yes. What do you think of it? I think it's great. I love how Kevin's not only brought everybody back from the Viewers universe. Yep. But some people who we've never seen there but yeah. are you know very well known. Yes. And uh, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Dude, I watched the uh, red band trailer yep. of it yep. and hilarious. Great. Total, total Kevin I'm just Smith. Great. You yes. <laughs> All right. Anyway, you have company. Uh, Peggy Carter has come to Peggy rescue me. Peggy Carter is here yes. to save him from me. Yes. Thank you, sir, Thank for you taking guys. the time. Of course. <laughs> Good luck, Comic Relief Podcast. So as you just heard, 
That was Ming Cheng from Comic Book Men. I've been wanting to do this podcast uh, almost the day after uh, San Diego Comic Con, but life has been extremely busy. Uh, I've been doing a lot of extra hours at work. I've had to fly out of San Diego to uh, do a bunch of stuff for work. Uh, I feel like every weekend has been packed with something. Uh, Unfortunately, I do not make enough money doing this podcast, uh, so I do have a regular nine to five job. I'm flying solo today. Uh, My partner in crime, Maiko, is on a sabbatical, and my other partner in crime, Amy, is actually getting her nails done, a pedicure, and doing this whole thing with her, uh, one of her former work friends. It's her birthday, not Amy's birthday, uh, but her work friend's birthday, so they're all just kind of hanging out. So finally, I decided, you know what? You're going to go do your pedicure thing. I'm just going to sit here and do the podcast, because it's been... uh, couple weeks now since San Diego Comic-Con, and I've been sitting on this Ming Chang interview that I've been wanting to dish out on this podcast. Uh, As brief as it was, I'm actually considering trying to reach out to him again and see if he's willing to have a more expanded uh, interview with me, because I had a really good time talking to him. He's super easy to talk to, a really, really great guy. I had a ton more things I wanted to talk to him about, but uh, he had some company arrive, and I didn't want to take away from that. So that was the brief interview with Ming. like I said, great guy, super, super easy to talk to. I'm so glad I ran into him. Uh, to explain how that had happened, um, me and my friend Chuck had uh, gone to San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con, kind of walking around, checking everything out. We would uh, pretty much investigated the whole floor downstairs. Somehow we missed Artist Alley. I have no idea how this happened when we were walking around. And we were there for probably longer than I've ever been at Comic-Con in the last couple of years. Normally I'm there for about an hour to two hours before I reach my max with people. Uh, this time I think we're there almost four or five hours, which is pretty incredible and speaks to how San Diego Comic-Con had changed things up. I'll get to that later. But anyway, there we are. We're walking around San Diego Comic-Con, kind of checking everything out. We ended up going upstairs because there's, that's where a lot of the um, authors and stuff like that do autographs. That's where a lot of the photo opportunities are. And uh, Chuck had some autographs from various authors he was hoping to get a hold of. So we walked up there and kind of checked out everyone's time. And sure enough, there was Ming sitting uh, in his booth over there to the side. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go grab a picture with me because I watch Comic Book Men all the time uh, when it was on. And I was wearing my Comic Relief podcast shirt. So I approached me and I said, hey, is it cool if I take a picture with you, man? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But first, you have to tell me about your uh, your shirt. And so I looked down at, I wore it purposely to promote the Comic Relief podcast while I was walking around San Diego Comic Con. But you put it on in the morning and then you just forget that you're wearing it to basically try to advertise and see if uh, other people kind of see your shirt and kind of go, what is this? Uh, so Ming asked me about it. And I was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a podcast I do with my friend, been doing it for a while he's like how many episodes have you guys knocked out and i was like yeah you know we're like on 30 33 somewhere in between there and he's like that's really really great and he was talking about his podcast and stuff and then he's like hey you want to do an interview and i was like i i I do but i don't have like any recording equipment with me i just came here to like to check out the con um i never think that anyone's gonna have the time or opportunity to actually want to stop and speak uh to me about doing something so i never bring any equipment and he's like well, you just took a picture with your iPhone, right? I was like, yeah. And he's like, your iPhone has that memo thing. And I was like, you're right. Do you want to do this? And he was like, yeah, let's knock one out. So he was extremely kind. He um, He's the one who offered the idea. My brain was blown. And then um, he's like, hey, let me do a bumper for your show. And I was like, what? So that's how the bumper also came to exist. Um, 
like I said, he was such an incredible guy, such an easy person to talk to, just someone that you can just approach and have a good time with. So I want to uh, give a special shout out to Ming for uh, really, really kicking up my Comic-Con experience from like a 7 to like 11 out of 10. That was really, really incredible. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that opportunity to talk to him and do this whole like improv interview. Uh, I do wish I had more time, uh, but like I said, he did have guests arrive. But I may reach out to him on the Giddle Twitters and see if he's up to speaking some more through Skype or something like that. So speaking of the San Diego Comic Convention, I survived going to Comic-Con this year. Uh, It's an intense amount of people that are always there. As you can expect, it's always jam-packed with people, so much so that the Comic-Con has bled outside of the convention center now. A bunch of the hotels uh, surrounding the Comic-Con are involved. They have um, things outside that you can uh, look at. This year they did something different, though. Um, In the previous years basically you could kind of walk around just outside the convention center and get access to some of this comic con related stuff this year they actually kind of roped everything off so you actually had to you know have a badge visible to some of the guards that were actually outside of the of the comic con like on each end of it so it did make seeing some of the stuff directly right outside of the convention center more difficult for people who did not have a badge which is kind of a bummer but it also limits the amount of people that are all around the convention center choking it they did something different somehow that seemed to make everything run a little bit smoother in terms of the volume of people. Uh, I know one of the things that they did push for this year, not everyone did it, but a bunch of the uh, people who had exclusives did it. They did a lottery thing. So um, basically, rather than make this enormous line that chokes up the Comic-Con as people are just trying to get by, a lot of places did lotteries or that you had to show up you know, at like 8 a.m. to get something that wasn't going to be available until like 2 p.m. So that way you just have your ticket number and then you, you were told, hey, your ticket like 33 you're going to show up between 2 and 230 if you don't it goes to the next person so that was kind of cool that a bunch of um, different places did that where you had to have a lottery ticket unfortunately one of the things um, my good friend colette uh, her brother i believe it is uh, wanted two of these records that were going to be available at one of these booths and when i went they were one of the people that did a lottery thing uh, that you had to show up in the morning to get. So I was not able to get those records for him. Um, one of the cool people I got to see there was Colleen. I talk about her all the time. She's been on the podcast before. She's in charge of her company, Wing Lion Creations, and it's W-Y-N-G apostrophe D space L-Y-O-N and then space creations. If you go to our website, there's a link to her thing. But she was there and she was dressed as Batwoman. And if you've seen Colleen, and you probably have if you've seen our podcast because I've posted pictures of her she's got the long red hair so she doesn't have to do the wig like uh, a bunch of other people normally would have to do if they dressed as batwoman she completely did her costume from scratch made it all herself uh she had this cool thing where she could expand the cape and it had you know the whole batman look with the curved edges but the two ends at the very end were like on a i'm guessing like a pvc pipe kind of thing inside of it so it allowed her to basically hold it open and create this really great visual and something that's really cool is um she does uh, as i said design clothes and design costumes and stuff like that so she's really smart and really resourceful when it comes to that stuff so her boots that she uses are the same boots that she uses for her captain marvel costume but she just makes like a quick flip of a change into the boots or something like that she is truly truly talented and truly truly amazing if you're in need of costume i don't know what her schedule for costumes is like 
site. Um, but you can go to her site. It's W-Y-N-G-D-L-Y-O-N.com. And there's a way to contact her. Uh, it's got some pictures on the site, but you're better off probably looking at like the Facebook or Twitter page or Instagram where she's shown off more of the photos. The site doesn't do her justice for the amount of uh, talent and stuff that she's done. If you need something done that's a costume, definitely go check out uh, Colleen's page, winglion.com. Uh, she can probably set you up with something. Um, like I said, I don't know her schedule, how busy she is in terms of making costumes. Uh, I know a lot of people hit her up for like even stuff for like weddings and stuff like that. So she's a person that you should reach out to if you're interested in that kind of stuff. So next month, or actually this month now, now that it's actually been <laughs> way too long, um, I'm actually going to a convention called PowerCon. It's a small convention that's basically focused on He-Man. But what was kind of cool is I swung by the Mattel booth and they had a bunch of He-Man stuff there that was really cool to see, including some new figures that are coming out, some statues that they've made, a lot, a lot of cool stuff. And of course, speaking of statues and stuff like that, if you go to Slideshow Collectibles, that area, full of amazing statues. Uh, there was a really cool Gambit there. There's a really cool Colossus there. And there was a really cool Juggernaut there. Um, uh, this year, they also had a Venger figure uh, on his horse. If you don't know who Venger is, that means you didn't watch the D&D cartoon from like the 80s. And if you didn't, you're missing out on a good piece of uh, your childhood. Uh, the Dungeons Dragons cartoon was really, really awesome. Last year or the year before, they had all the other characters. They had, you know, like Eric, Hank, Sheila, all of them as figures. So this year they had Venger. Um, if they do ever release that, um, I've looked and I've not seen it. Uh, I will probably get those despite the price that they usually fetch for Sideshow. One of the other cool things at uh, San Diego Comic Con that I got to do is I got to meet who we call Uncle Walt Simonson. Walt Simonson uh, had has done a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff, but I didn't get to know Walt Simonson's work, not until he was on Thor. Uh, he did uh, both uh, the writing and the art for uh, his portion of the run of Thor. Still, hands down, um, I've read Thor since I don't even know how long. Uh, it was one of my first comics uh, after Uncanny X-Men and Avengers. Uh, I've read it for a very, very long time. Walt's run is probably my favorite run of Thor. So I got to meet Walt Simonson. I got to take a picture with him, and I got uh, my Ragnarok number one. That's the new series. Got it signed by him. Super, super cool dude. Very, very humble. Very, very thankful for everything. I was really upset. Uh, I have a Beta Ray Bill Hammer that uh, is one of those limited run things. It weighs like, I don't know, like 40 pounds. And I knew Walt Simonson was going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. But come the day of Comic-Con, I was so wrapped up in just getting a few things set up and running out the door that I totally forgot to bring the hammer. I would have brought the hammer to have him sign the face of the hammer. It would have been really, really cool to get Walt's signature on that. The other thing I did, uh, this is pretty much a tradition for me, I ran into Mark Silvestri, uh, who runs Top Cow Comics, known for his run on X-Men, known for Cyberforce and stuff like that. I feel like every year, uh, either at WonderCon or at Comic-Con or sometimes both, I seek out Mark Silvestri. He's probably one of my favorite artists from that whole era of X-Men and uh, Image that uh, he's just so great at what he does. So I always try to find him and uh, get his autograph. And there was a bunch of amazing cosplayers at San Diego Comic-Con this year. Uh, on our Facebook page, um, I, I think even on the site where I talk about San Diego Comic-Con, but on our Facebook page, I, I posted all the pictures that I took at San Diego Comic-Con. Typically the outside, uh, and sometimes on the stairs, they'll do like these great photo shoots and stuff like that of various cosplayers and you know different themes. Like They'll get anyone who's an X-Men person and have them stand on these stairs and take a photo. And 
any DC characters, take a photo, that type of thing. I do need to spend probably more time looking for cosplayers, um, taking the opportunity to take pictures of these people who spend so much time and uh, so much talent into developing these really, really cool costumes. If you've walked around San Diego, you know it is very, very hot, especially in July. And these cosplayers are in costumes, often in leather and wigs and stuff like that, enduring this incredible heat to show off what they've made. And uh, they definitely deserve some attention and deserve to have you know, their, their great outfits known and spread and seen and stuff like that. So I do need to make more of an effort of appreciating and taking more photos of these incredible cosplayers. So speaking of San Diego Comic-Con, Marvel basically released their quote-unquote next phase of movies. So let's talk about some of those. One of those, it looks like they're going to come out with a Black Widow movie. This has been hinted at for a long time now, and it looks like it's finally going to happen. Uh, it's going to be about Natasha, and I believe it'll also include Hawkeye, and it's basically going to be a reference to like a more of an origin story dating back to her role uh, probably with Hawkeye and all of them. It's going to include um, like Red Guardian, uh, who is from the Winter Guard or Soviet super soldiers, whichever way uh, they want to focus it, uh, and probably other members of the of the Winter Guard. So looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be interesting that it is a origin story for a character that we've already seen versus like what they typically do. Like with Cap, we saw his origin story first before we actually saw him integrated into the Marvel Universe. This is going to go backwards where... Black Widow's been a big part of the Marvel Universe, and now we're going to see her backstory a little bit. Another one that they introduced was Blade. I don't know how to pronounce the actor's first name. It's M-A-H-E-R-S-H-A-L-A. Masharala? Masharala? Ali? Um, He's going to be Blade. So um, I believe... This is also going to be a movie because they talk about how it's going to slash its way into the theaters. So it looks like Blade is going to be a part of the MCU. Um, the original Blade movie with Wesley Snipes, the first one, uh, was an incredible movie. So I look forward to see what they do with this version of Blade. Um, with Doctor Strange now being introduced, it's definitely opened the door to more um, of the like the vampires and the magic and that more high fantasy type of character that Blade would probably uh, interact with. Uh, speaking of Doctor Strange, uh, they did announce a sequel for the Doctor Strange movie called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which I think sounds like a horrible name. Like Multiverse of Madness um, sounds like a comic book more than it does like a catchy movie title. So we'll see how that goes. It's Doctor Strange, and Benedict is an incredible actor. But joining him in this movie, it's going to be um, Scarlet Witch, who's being played by Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, so that's going to be kind of cool. And apparently, this is going to have a tie to the WandaVision series that's going to be coming out exclusively for Disney+. Plus. Um, this is slated to be in the theaters by May 7th, 2021. Next, we have Marvel Studios' The Eternals, starring Richard Madden as Icarus. And I believe I'm going to slaughter these names. I know I am. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Kamel Nanjan. Nanjani as Kingo, Lauren Ridoff as Makari, Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos, Salma Hayek as Ajak, uh, Leah McHugh as Sprite, Don Lee as Gilgamesh, and then actually also Angela Jolie as Thena. So The Eternals is being directed by Chloe Zhou and uh, should be in the theaters by November 6th. 
2020. So it'd be interesting how the Eternals are going to tie into the MCU. And of course, they announced the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is going to be an exclusive for Disney+. Plus. Uh, they also announced Hawkeye, which is also going to be exclusive for Disney+. Plus. Um, it's going to be starring Jeremy Renner, who will be introducing Kate Bishop, who will be probably the new Hawkeye. Uh, it's kind of a bummer um, because in Endgame, we do see Hawkeye's daughter shooting a bow and arrow. Of course, there's going to be the Disney Plus version of Loki, an original series starring Tom Hiddleston, and you'll see the god of mischief causing more trouble in the Marvel Universe uh, exclusively for Disney Plus coming in the spring of 2021. And then, surprisingly, I'm curious to see how this goes, they're going to be introducing Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So this is going to be interesting because it's going to be starring uh, Simu Lu, I might be pronouncing that name wrong, as a title role. Alongside of him will be uh, Tony Luang, who will be playing the real Mandarin. So we saw the fake Mandarin. There was a bunch of backlash for the that they pulled with that fake Mandarin, but looks like they're going to be fixing that by introducing a real Mandarin. Uh, we do uh, see a hint that there is a real Mandarin, and I believe it was on the Thor DVD where they show the fake Mandarin in prison, and he's got like some people backing him up, and then a bunch of people break into the prison, and the real Mandarin's pissed off at fake Mandarin. So we never see real real Mandarin, but it is hinted that there is one out there. Um, this one is going to be directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, and supposedly in theaters by February. February 12th, 2021. And then we have Thor called Love and Thunder. Uh, it was revealed in this that Natalie Portman will return to Marvel Studios' Thor. Uh, she'll be joining Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, who played Valkyrie. Takai uh, returns as the director um, and confirmed that Jane Foster will become the Mighty Thor, Goddess of Thunder. So I'm not going to lie, this is based off a story written by Jason Aaron. Or if you want, it can date further back as to a what-if where Jane Foster becomes Thor way, 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 way earlier. But Jason Aaron essentially wrote series where Thor becomes unworthy because someone whispers a secret in his ear and suddenly he can't pick up the hammer and then Jane Foster comes along, picks up the hammer and becomes Thor. I'm not going to lie. I love women power in comics. I love all these strong female characters that they've already introduced into the Marvel Universe. Jane Foster as Thor, when I read it, I got it. I picked it up because it is Thor. I made it about three issues in and I stopped. I did not enjoy um, Jason Aaron's interpretation. I also didn't enjoy Jason Aaron's interpretation of Thor himself. Um, he did a series, I can't even remember what it's called now, of Thor where it's like his past, his present, and his future. This whole thing called, I think it was called The God Killer or whatever, could not stand it. Overall, I don't think there's anything I've ever enjoyed from Jason Aaron other than a Nightcrawler series that brings Nightcrawler back from death. All his other stuff has not been for me. And it's not to say that it's bad, it's just not been for me. That said, the idea of this Thor where now Natalie Portman, who is playing Jane Foster, becomes Thor. I'm going to say right now, eh, I'm probably not going to like it. But on the flip side, I couldn't stand Winter Soldier in Marvel Comics. Uh, he was responsible for killing Nomad. And if you know anything about me, if you listen to the other podcasts, you know how much I love Nomad. So the fact that Winter Soldier killed Nomad has always sat poorly with me. And then comes along Winter Soldier in the movie. And I absolutely love the character. The character of Winter Soldier in the movie was amazing and it made me appreciate the character. And then there was the announcement of Paul Rudd is going to be Ant-Man. I, in one of the podcasts, I was ranting and raving, never liked him in any of his movies, blah, blah. And then I walked out of Ant-Man saying that was probably one of my favorite MCU movies to date. So I'm probably going to eat my own words here when I say Jane Foster as Thor is not going to work out because it's probably going to be done in such a way that I'm going to walk out saying... That was incredible. 
So I'm saying right now I don't like it, but I'm also saying right now I'm probably telling myself that I'm going to be wrong, that I don't like it. So that's uh, Thor Love and Thunder with Natalie Portman coming in to take over the role of Thor. Uh, one thing I will say is what's interesting is that it does say that it includes Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Uh, when we last see Thor at the end of uh, Endgame, he was with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So I'll be interested to see how Thor is not with the Guardians of the Galaxy and somehow tied in with um, Love and Thunder. Uh, next, uh, I already talked about this earlier with the Doctor Strange. There is going to be a WandaVision show, which is going to tie Elizabeth Olsen, who's playing Scarlet Witch, and Paul Bethany, who is reprising his role as Vision, in a show exclusively for Disney Plus in the spring of 2021, which is called WandaVision. Uh, part of this will tie into the Doctor Strange multiverse of madness. Also, coming in the summer of 2021, exclusively to Disney+, Plus, is a show called What If. It's going to be an animated series that basically um, does what the comic What If does, in which the Watcher appears and says, hey, in this multiverse of alternate realities, what if Phoenix had not died? Or what if Doctor Strange had not become the master of, uh, you know, mysticism? Or what if, you know, Professor X had not created the X-Men? It's a, a bunch of alternate realities of what if these big moments had not happened. So that's going to be coming, as I said, in the summer of 2021, exclusively to Disney+. Plus. One of the other announcements they made is that the X-Men are rebooting again. This is fourth, fifth, sixth time they've rebooted. I was collecting Uncanny X-Men before they made this announcement. And in, in this run of Uncanny X-Men, they were killing mutants left and right um, as it approached the end. And I have a feeling the writer knew that everything he was doing was going to be completely disregarded by um, Hickman's House of X and Powers of X or Power of Ten, whatever it is called, or House of Ten Powers of X. One of those is a 10 and 7X. Super, super creative. Hooray. I'm done with the X-Men for now. I've burned out on the number of times that they've rebooted and disregard continuity, blah, 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 whatever. So Jonathan Hickman is basically going to be rebooting this. And uh, the artist is, I'm going to mispronounce his first name, Lee Nil, and his last name is you. Um, he's basically going to write about how Cyclops handpicks a squad of mutants to basically help take over and set things right in the world. Um, one of those other things to spin out of it will be a series called X-Force Number 1. It's going to be written by Benjamin Percy with artist Joshua Kassara. Uh, X-Force is basically a, the CIA of the mutant world. Um, one half intelligence and special ops um, with Beast, Jean Grey, Sage on one side, and Wolverine, Kid Omega, Domino on the other. The cover does show some other figures in there. It does show what appears to be Black Tom Cassidy and uh, Colossus. And then there's a series um, called Fallen Angels, which is going to be written by Brian Edward Hill with art by... <laughs> uh, first name is Sismon, and last name is Kundaski. Probably slaughtering that. Um, in which Psylocke finds herself in a new world of mutant kind, unsure of her place in it. But when a face from her past returns only to be killed, she seeks help from others to get vengeance. Uh, it'll be Cable and X-23 who join Quanin, uh, so it's not Betsy, uh, to go find out what is going on. And then they also announced New Mutants number one. Hickman and Reese continue uh, with this. It's the classic New Mutants such as Sunspot, Wolfsbane, Mirage, Karma, Magic, and Cypher. They get together with new friends, Chamber and Mondo, 
from Generation X to seek out their missing member and share the good news, a mission that takes them into space alongside the Star Jammers. And you would figure, because I was a big fan of the New Moons, that I would pick this one up. Uh, I enjoy the cast and the fact that it has the Star Jammers, but I just can't invest anymore. Not in something that's probably going to be disregarded in three years. And then we have a series called The Marauders. Now, you would think the X-Men would never call themselves the Marauders. The Marauders were a team of mutant hunting, killing mutants. They worked for Sinister. They slaughtered the uh, Morlocks, wiped out the Morlocks, left only a few. Um, They nearly killed Nightcrawler. They nearly killed Kitty. But here we are with a series called Marauders Number no. 1. It's written by Jerry Dugan and artist Mateo Lolai. And it's basically Kitty leads a team of people who she goes by Captain Kate Pride, funded by Emma Frost and the Hellfire Trading Company, uh, with Storm, Pyro, Bishop, and Iceman in the seas of the world, sailing against a world that's hated and feared them. You're out on the ocean. How many people are you going to encounter uh, that fear and hate you? But there you have it. It looks like a pirate story. Um, I love pirates, but this is one, once again, not going to even invest. Another one is Excalibur. This one is written by Tinny Howard and artist Marcus Toe. Um, they join forces in shaping this whole new world where or worlds actually because they're going to be jumping around different ones uh can captain britain forge a new way through the chaos um with rogue gambit jubilee richter and apocalypse so the current run of uncanny x-men that i already said that i was reading had come to an end i was kind of glad because by the end they were just killing mutants left and right as i said the writer probably realized everything i do is going to get undone in hickman's writing so might as well just have fun killing mutants left and right so as soon as that started happening and i saw the previews for what hickman was doing i felt like uncanny x-men pretty much became a what if because they're just going to disregard everything that happened um both good and bad and just reboot everything so there's a wonderful soul on twitter who runs the daily x-men facts uh twitter account um you can follow him at daily x-men facts He's a really, really great guy, super passionate about the X-Men. He loves everything that they do, um, doesn't seem to have the same hang-ups that I do. And I'm going to admit it, it's hang-ups. Um, there's a certain quality that I look for in X-Men that I've not found in a long time. He enjoys each one as its own run, like treating each one, if it does reboot, almost like as if it's just a limited series. He's able to, to enjoy it for what it is. So I admit he's probably a better person into understanding what the comic book uh, community is doing these days, as opposed to me, who's the old guy sitting on my front porch saying these aren't my x-men even though i am not collecting what hickman is doing i'm still interested in what they do in the event there is something there that does capture my interest to pull me back into the x-men but so far from what i've read and it's not doing it when the daily x-men facts posted something about the new uh, Hickman stuff and basically kind of explained what was happening with their on Krakora and their, you know, Professor X is kind of strumming along. He has this big helmet over his head so you can basically only see from his nose down. He says, Come to me, my X Men. And suddenly, like Cyclops and Gene are emerging out of pods and we see a bunch of these dead X Men suddenly alive. I had made the joke, like, Oh, you know what? I guarantee you in three years, this is all going to be undone and it's going to be revealed that it was Protoist. Um, this is all some weird reality from Protoist. 
um, because we did see him in Astonishing X-Men come back. Let me back up a little bit and explain further. First, we have the X-Men back on Krakora. Now, I realize that there's a million different X-Men titles, and I've never been able to keep track of them all, because you have X-Men, X-Force, uh, Uncanny X-Force, all-new X-Force, all-new X... It, it goes on and on and on, especially ever since, like, 2000, the last 19 years. I feel like they've rebooted the X-Men and have so many X-Men books that it's been nearly impossible to keep up with, and I think that's part of the problem that I have become detached from these characters that I know. But as far as I knew from the stuff in Giant Size X-Men, Krakora was basically blasted into space. I do know that a son of Krakora or something like that appeared as a student or something like that in Jean Grey's school. Um, but as far as I know, Krakora is still floating around in space. Last I heard um, by doing some research was that the stranger, uh, who is like this big space being, had captured Krakora and, you know, Quasar came along and freed it. Um, but how does that make it so that it's a huge island, a meteorite that size would have left a massive impact unless Krakora is floating somewhere out in space? And then we have uh, what, like I said, what we believe, believe to be Professor Xavier just walking around it's a really dumb costume. It's all black. It's this big helmet, so you can only see from his nose to his mouth. It's got a big X on it. It's supposed to be Cerebro or whatever. And he basically says, come to me, my X-Men. And as I said, the X-Men are reborn out of these pods. When have you ever seen it when someone's born out of a pod? It's a good thing. Then there's, as I said, the X-Men that we know that died, and somehow they're all back, uh, popping up alive and well. And to make things a little more strange, um, some of these X-Men who are appearing are appearing in their old costumes for example Jean Grey is sporting like the green miniskirt with the yellow mask which was like her Marvel Girl identity like from a long time ago so why would she be in that costume so when I had started like putting all these things together as I said I I replied to the Daily X-Men facts and said you know what I think it's Proteus I think this is all him and this is all going to be revealed to be some big major like thing and then I thought what if it's actually Proteus who's taken over the mind of Legion. So you have Legion who has this fractured mind of how he remembers some of the X-Men, how he remembers some of the stuff, and perhaps Legion and Proteus are like at odds to try to fight each other, and through that this whole weird alternate reality or this weird thing has happened that has merged their two minds. So I'm just calling it now like three years or so, this is all going to be revealed to be Proteus slash Legion either together or one of them or both of them. The other thing I want to mention is um i think i talked about this in a previous podcast that the original elf quest finally came to an end after 40 years but elf quest is coming back uh a new limited series by wendy and richard penny uh, returns in november uh it's going to be elf quest stargazer's hunt it has skywise on the cover it has what looks to be strongbow on one side you kind of see the palace floating in the background it even kind of looks like lord vol from the blue mountain but i can't tell if that's him and then there's a little looks like like a young girl with white hair flying who is probably Skywise's daughter um, with, what's her name, Aurori, or it might even be a new character entirely. The story does center on Skywise and his quest as to what happened after Cutter when his best friend, well, I don't want to say it in case you've not read the original Elf Quest, but something happens to Cutter uh, in Final Quest. Um, I'm looking forward to Stargazer's Hunt. I'm hoping that everyone has a little more meat on their bones. Um, it's probably my one qualm with Final Quest is that everyone was drawn extremely skinny, like way too skinny. Uh, even Strongbow on this cover looks to be way too skinny. Uh, he's always been kind of a skinny character because um, he's always so fit, but I feel like 
Wendy Penny has given everyone like these tiny little waistlines. I am looking forward to it. Wendy is an amazing artist, uh, even when she does draw people too too skinny. Uh, they tell always an amazing story with ElfQuest. It's very easy to connect with these characters because it, it is about the the characters. Um, it's about their development and their story and their growth. And that said, I feel like I've talked uh, for almost 50 minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, I want to once again thank Ming Chen for taking the time to sit down and speak with me uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. I had a really good time at Comic-Con. Glad my friend Chuck was with me. Um, I'm looking forward to PowerCon. I'll probably do another podcast, probably with Amy, because um, she always goes with me to PowerCon usually against your will. All right, folks, if you enjoyed it, please tell others, um, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, check us out everywhere, pass the word around, share the love. All right, bye. Don't forget to check us out at comicreliefpodcast.com or you can visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast or go to our YouTube channel, www.youtube.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast podcast and finally there is our twitter page which is twitter.com forward slash comic relief podc i'd like to give a special shout out to travis richards who did the music for the comic relief podcast visit his website at www.travisarichards.com